Good evening, everyone. It's uh, an incredible privilege and a pleasure to be here. The truth is on the most basic level, with everything that's going on in the world right now, just to be in a room together with a group of people who love Am Yisrael and love Eretz Yisrael is the best place in the world to be. We face so much hostility and we face so much antagonism. And the truth is, as proud citizens of this great country, the United States of America, one of the things that has been so jarring and shocking to all of us has been the tidal wave of anti-Semitism that we've had to face really in every corner of this great country, a country that we feel proud to call our second home, and a country that has provided so much safety and security for so many of us, for so many generations. So to be able to come together in a room filled with people from very different backgrounds. This is quite a gathering over here, a little bit of a slice of the great microcosm of Am Yisrael, the Jewish people. And I'm sure we have many different beliefs, many different ways in which we practice our Judaism, connect to God. I have no doubt different political beliefs, but it's beautiful that we can come together in this time of crisis, in this time of overwhelming realities, to celebrate those very things which connect us. A connection to our ancestral homeland and a connection to the greatest people that humanity has ever known, the nation of Israel. So Mazel Tov to all of those, I guess is the technical term we've been uninstalled? It sounds very not nice to uninstall someone. <laughs> but a Mazel Tov to those who have been uninstalled and thank you again for your incredible service and dedication. A Mazel Tov to all of those who have taken upon themselves the mantle of leadership. It is so much easier in life just to kind of retreat into your own corner, focus on your own family, focus on your own career, focus on your own personal aspirations, and easy to say someone else will do the heavy lifting for communal initiatives. It's a special breed of people. It's a special kind of personality of someone who is willing to get involved in organizational work. We say it differently. Willing to get involved in Jewish organizational work. Because we are a fiercely dedicated people and sometimes that fierceness comes out in all different kinds of ways. And so we salute the incredibly ambitious and brave men and women who have chosen to make Israel bonds their passion, who have chosen to express their commitment to Jewish people, not simply in the nation of Israel, not simply in word, but in deed. But I also want to take the opportunity to wish a very special Mazel Tov to Linda Elman. And she asked me not to speak about her. So I'm not going to speak about her. Who was the guy who gave the non-speech before? Oh, that was David you. Katz. Well done, by <laughs> Very well done. No, don't point. It was you. It was you. It was you. <laughs> the best non-speech speech I've ever heard. So I won't speak about Linda, but what I will say is that our community is incredibly fortunate to have someone like Linda Elman. A woman who absolutely personifies commitment to community. A woman, a woman who personifies the famous adage that if you want something to get done, give it to a busy person. Linda is involved and in, I think anything and everything in this community that matters, anything and everything that has to do with just the advancement of greater community and certainly anything and everything that has to do with Eretz Yisrael and anything that we could do for our beautiful state of Israel right here 6,000 miles away. So Linda, on behalf of everyone here, Thank you not only for your involvement, your past involvement, your future involvement in Israel Bonds, but thank you for everything that you do 
and raising and being a matriarch of a fantastic multi-generational family who themselves are sources of incredible inspiration. And thank you for everything you do for our community. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless you with incredible strength, wisdom, and staying power in this new position to accomplish great things. Thank you. These are overwhelming times. Overwhelming times. And I often feel like when you come to a Jewish event since October 7th, even an event like this, which is a beautiful, happy, and celebratory event, but every event almost feels like a combination of Nichum Avelin and a Chasana. A combination of when we go to pay a Shiva visit, going to a house of mourning, and a combination of attending a beautiful Simcha like a wedding. On one hand, we're so happy to be together. On one, happy, on one hand, we're so happy to be able to see what we can accomplish together as a community. But I think, dear friends, we are all still in a state of absolute shock from the events which transpired to our people 112 days ago on October 7th. The mind and the Jewish soul cannot fully absorb the enormity of what happened on Shemini Atzeres, here at Simchas Torah Yisrael. The mind can simply not absorb the enormity of what it means to have lived through the worst Jewish catastrophe since the Holocaust. The Jewish mind cannot fully absorb what it means to lose thousands of Jews in one day, thousands injured, and to think that as we sit here in this beautiful shul, in this beautiful room, surrounded by beautiful friends and family, that there are over 130 of our brothers and sisters being held hostage by the most despicable evil humanity has ever seen. Their whereabouts unknown, their condition unknown, you know, quickly evaporated from the press. Medicines were sent. Were they delivered? Were they not delivered? Basic human dignity deprived to our brothers and sisters. It's hard to imagine that we're not describing a scene from Nazi Germany, but we're describing a scene in January 2024. It's overwhelming for us as a people to wrap our head around all that has occurred. But as a people, as a Jewish people, as a nation, one of the most unique features we possess is that we never allow ourselves to become paralyzed by any set of circumstances. The Jewish nation is never paralyzed. The Jewish nation is perpetually galvanized. And whenever we face overwhelming circumstances, we have one simple question. What do we do? How do we respond? How do we grow? And how do we move ourselves forward? And I think many of us have been grappling with this since the morning of October 7th. And I think many of us still have not found the answer. But I want to share with you an insight that has helped me over these days and hopefully it'll help you as well. One of the most incredible stories at the end of the book of Bereshus of Genesis. So we know the story, Joseph is sold by his brothers. 
But, Baruch Hashem, thank God, the story has a happy ending. Joseph rises to prominence, he becomes the viceroy in Egypt. And then in an incredible moment, Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. And he says, Ani Yosef, Haoda Bichai, and Joseph is my father still alive. And you know the story, thank God the family is reunited. While it's true they have to resettle the land of Egypt, but at least they're together. And the Torah relates a fascinating detail. The Torah says that when Joseph sent back provisions back to his father, so the verse says, Yosef sent back to his father 10 donkeys filled with the best, the best things from Egypt. And the commentary struggled to understand, so what did he send? What are the best things from Egypt? And so the rabbinic commentaries go in many different directions. Some explain he sent aged wine. Egypt had the best wine. Others explain that he sent beautiful garments of silk. Egypt was known for their silk production. He sent this, there's a beautiful medrash. And the medrash writes, a quote to you, he says, Elu, greasen shall pool. Greasen shall pool literally means split groats. Split groats, some, something in the lentil family. Split groats, that's what he sent his father. Interesting, definitely doesn't seem to be the most incredible thing that you could send back from Egypt. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Zeyek Tzadik says something amazing. He says, why did he send split groats? So I'm gonna teach you something interesting about groats. You may be able to use this at some point in life. <laughs> Apparently, the groat, if it's whole, is tasteless. But if you split it in half, if you break it apart, that's how you unlock all of the flavor. Joseph knew that when his brothers came back, the patriarch Jacob, his father, was going to have one simple question, right? If you're Jacob, what's your question? What's your question? Right? How to split groats, right? Good. What's your other question? Joseph, how exactly did you get down to Egypt? Right? In other words, I sent you out on an errand. 22 years later, I find out that you're the viceroy in Egypt. How did that happen? So Joseph knew that the story of his sale by his brothers was going to come to light. And he knew that his father would be heartbroken when his father learned, when his father saw that son turned against son, brother turned against brother. And so Joseph was trying to give his father a very nuanced message. Father, do not be upset about the fact that I was sold. Because even though the family was broken, it's only because we were broken that I rose to prominence. Only because we were broken did I take on a position of leadership and save the entire region from famine. Only because the family was broken into pieces was I able to accomplish all that I have accomplished up to this point. Explains Lubavitcher Rebbe. Sometimes the most beautiful things in life only come out when you break the hole. And dear friends, I think that this is what we have experienced as a people since October 7th. It was mentioned before that the Jewish people are in mortal danger. And I want to correct that statement. The Jewish people are not in mortal danger. The Jewish people 
are eternal. And no enemy, despite the fact that in every single generation, as we say at the Pesach, Seydin Vihisha Amda, Shebechol Dar Vadar Om Demalino Lechalosenu. Every generation, someone rises up to defeat us. This is not a new story. You could just swap out the names of the enemy every generation. We're not in mortal danger. The Jewish people has survived and will survive every single obstacle and threat that is thrown our way. We're not in mortal danger. We're heartbroken. We're heartbroken. We're heartbroken because the events of October 7th will send, have sent, and will continue to send ripple effects throughout our entire nation, in Israel and in Jewry around the world, for years to come. What keeps me up at night is not the fear for tomorrow for the Jewish nation. That is assured and guaranteed. That is absolute. What keeps me up at night is the profound feeling of sadness for my brothers and sisters. The profound feelings of sadness, knowing how many of our men, women, and children were murdered, brutalized, violated, and taken hostage. But I think what we see is with all of the breakage the most beautiful and incredible sweetness and holiness has begun to flow out. I took my family to Israel for Hanukkah. And on the fourth night of Hanukkah, we had the incredible opportunity to go to an army base two kilometers from Gaza. Now this wasn't the type of army base that gets a lot of exposure publicity because it's what they call the army base Vashatah. It's in the field. This army base was about two kilometers from Gaza and it's not really, it's not a base. It's actually, it's a farm. The way it works in Israel is during wartime, the government, I guess kind of like an eminent domain, the government has the ability to seize land that is by the border and repurpose it for use by the army. So I was following someone in, we turned off the highway onto a dirt road, pitch black, pitch black. In the distance, I see a small little fire, that's where we parked. That little fire turned out to be a menorah nestled on the ground, lit by a couple of soldiers huddling around. We walked a little bit further, this was an artillery base. We walked a little bit further, and I had the great privilege to lead the soldiers in lighting the menorah at the base. And dear friends, I wanna tell you something. There was no running water, there was no electricity, there was a small generator that they used for just like basic stuff. It was pitch black for the most part. But when we lit that menorah, I have never in my life experienced a greater moment of luminescence. It's almost as if the entire night was lit up. And I looked around, and it doesn't take much to make me cry. But I figured I'm on an army base. Already again, I felt a bit inferior tried holding it, I'm looking around, I was sitting there by the menorah, kindling the menorah on the fourth night of Hanukkah, surrounded by soldiers who were young enough to be my children. And together we sang, Malosor Haneros Halalu, Alanisi. And I said to myself, 
this is the most incredible experience I've ever had in my life. This was the beauty that came from the breakage. Every single man who was there had not been home to his family since October 7th. And remember, this was Hanukkah time. So this was already December. These young men had given up all of the trappings of normal life for one purpose, to ensure the continuity of the Jewish people and the Jewish nation, the land of Israel. There is beauty in the breakage. And you walk in and you cannot help but be inspired by the incredible commitment by the incredible selflessness, by the incredible beauty how, you know, we brought pizza with us. And you would have thought that we were serving them caviar and champagne. The amount of gratitude, the profound gratitude, the disbelief that we have brought our family to Israel in the midst of a war. My wife's disbelief that we were two kilometers from Gaza. <laughs> I told her we were going out for a surprise dinner. <laughs> it was a pretty big surprise. It was a pretty big surprise. The incredible gratitude that they had to us, to us. We were going back to the safety and security of Jerusalem afterwards, and they were sleeping in the mud. It's the beauty and the breakage. Sometimes only when things are broken do you get to see the incredible beauty and profundity. You know, we've lost over 200 soldiers over the course of the war, not counting the soldiers killed on October 7th. But since the war began, we've lost over 200 soldiers. And each of those soldiers has their own unique story, their own unique narrative. One of the precious soldiers who was killed in battle a couple of weeks ago was a young man by the name of Captain Shaul Greenglick, who's 26 years old from Renana. Captain Greenblick gained fame not through his army service. Israel has a show called Hakochav Haba. It's like the American equivalent of uh, American, American Idol. American Idol. Hey, Captain Greenblick had a beautiful voice. And when he was had a little break from the army, he went to audition for Kochav Haba, for this, re for this reality show, for this talent show and he was advanced to the next level. He posted the following message on Instagram, which turned out to be the last message he would post. And I wanna just quote to you one line from it. He says, He says, I thought this year would be a different year. I thought it would be a year of the actualization of my dreams. But he says, I thought this was going to be a year of new dreams. But instead, it's actually a year of old dreams. The old dream, the Chalom Yashan, of fighting for the Jewish homeland. He goes on, he says, Chalom Chadash Va'acher, Yitzdarech Lechakot Kitzat. He said, I have so many dreams, but all of those new dreams will have to be put on hold for now so that I can fight for the old dream of a Jewish homeland. Captain Shaul Greenlick, the ability to say, you know what, there's so much I want as an individual. 
but I have to put aside my own dreams, my own goals, my own aspirations. Because in this moment, Am Yisrael needs me. Because Am Yisrael Chai cannot just be a beautiful mantra that we articulate, but it has to be a mantra that we live. There's beauty in the breakage. I'll leave you with one last story. We were there in Israel for two Shabbosos. The first Shabbos was Shabbos Hanukkah, second Shabbos after Hanukkah. And actually Hanukkah was relatively empty in Israel, at least in Jerusalem. The second Shabbos that we were there was actually pretty packed. So I was davening by the Kotel on Friday night. And literally, there was one of those beautiful Friday nights where the entire Kotel Plaza is packed. In the middle of Kabbalah Shabbos, there was a Tseva Adom. There was an air race, a siren, a missile siren. And the truth is, it was the first one that I sounded in Jerusalem in months. So for those of you who are a little bit familiar with the layout of the Kotel Plaza, on the women's side, you have to run across the entire plaza to the archways in the back by the stairways. Those are Yeshiva Nitiv Aryeh. Right under that, there's arches there. That's where you go by the restrooms. For the men, you have the area, the interior area of the Kotel over there. But the Kotel was so packed, was so packed. And I was davening all the way by the women's section. By the, not, not in the women's section, right? By the women's section. <laughs> I like my job, I want to keep it. <laughs> right by the women's section, and I realized that, A, there was no way I was gonna make it to the sheltered area, to the, to the, to the reinforced area in time, and also, even if I would make it there, there was not gonna be any room, I already saw it. So I turned around, and I looked up, and I saw the most incredible thing, which was I saw Kaddish Baruch Hu, I saw the Ribbon Shalom, I saw God, with the assistance of Iron Dome, destroy three missiles over Israel, over Jerusalem. Three consecutive booms, one after the other. That was amazing, but that wasn't even the most amazing part. After you heard the booms, and then again, it was safe to come back out. At first, you heard a faint singing inside of the tunnels. Entire groups, and when I say entire groups, all types of Jews started singing and dancing hand in hand, arm in arm, Am Yisrael Chai. And the singing started inside of the tunnels and then spilled out until it filled up the entire Koto Plaza. There is beauty in the breakage. Here we were, davening Kabbalah Shabbos. Those missiles came, they split apart everything. And you think to yourself, oh, it was such a beautiful davening. It was so incredible, such a shame that it was split apart and came to an end. But dear friends, what's incredible is that which came about as a result of the breakage, as a result of the split, was even more beautiful than that which was going on in the beginning. There is beauty in the breakage. These are days in which even though we feel profoundly heartbroken, it's opportunities for us to see the beauty in our people. You look at the chesed, you look at the incredible kindness, the kindness that is hung from every corner of the Jewish community. It's overwhelming. 
you look at the Achdus, the unity, the unity. You remember what the Jewish people, especially in Israel, was like before October 7th? Do you remember what happened in Dizengoff Square on Tel Aviv and Yom Kippur? Do you remember again the Jew against Jew animosity? And now you come to Israel, and it's not just Israel, it's Baltimore, it's anywhere. And there's a beautiful sense of achdos, there's a beautiful sense of unity. What scares me most is that when this war is over and we are successful, which we will be, what happens to our unity? What happens to our achdos? What happens to our togetherness? But dear friends, in these days of overwhelming heartbreak, we cannot become paralyzed by the pain. Instead, we have to look for the beauty in the brokenness. God only places us in difficult situations because he believes that we have the ability to do something with them. If each of us are here in this world now living through the greatest catastrophe our people have seen since the Holocaust, that means that there is something that each of us could do. There is some way that each of us could roll up our sleeves. Whether it's in Israel bonds or whether it's in all the variety of incredible and wonderful causes that exist within our people and within our greater community. Get involved in something. Do something, and dare I say, and this is probably not a good fundraising pitch, <laughs> writing a check is not enough. Writing a check is never enough. Writing a check is like the price of entry for being Jewish, right? That's what we do, we write checks. We support wonderful initiatives, wonderful organizations. But these are awesome days. And these days call for much more than contributions of dollars. It calls for contribution of effort, contribution of time. What are we doing in our own lives to create bonds of unity within our own community right here? Bonds of unity within our families, bonds of community within our respective shuls. What are we doing for our brothers and sisters in Eretz Israel? If you have not gone to Israel since October 7th, I beg of you, airfare is ridiculously expensive, but it's worth it. Because when you show up and you are there and people see that you're there even in times of war, even in times of difficulty, it gives our brothers and sisters such a profound sense of strength. Because the only thing worse than suffering is suffering alone. And as a people, we have to constantly remind ourselves and remind one another that we are never alone. So we may be heartbroken, and we may feel overwhelmed by profound sadness, but we must remember the lesson of Yosef, that there is beauty in the brokenness, and it behooves us to find that beauty and to act on that beauty so that we can amplify it in the years to come. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu bring an end to this war, an end that comes complete with a decisive victory for the Israel Defense Forces and for our beautiful state of Israel. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless each and every one of our precious soldiers who are willing to lay down their lives for me and you even though they've never met us, 6,000 miles away, are willing to run to the enemy in order to ensure the continuity of the Jewish future. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu provide them with incredible success and return them back to their families shortly 
with incredible shalom and intact physically and emotionally. And may HaKadosh Baruch Hu bring home every single one of our hostages. The notion that there are families within our people who still do not know the whereabouts of our loved one is a pain that is almost too much to bear. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who could do anything and everything, bring home each and every one of our hostages. Let us be privileged to see the beautiful reunification of our families. And may we, all of us together, be privileged to continue Israel bond events and every other beautiful event, but not here in the Tuvan Hall in Beth Philip. We will be privileged as a people, as a united people, to fundraise, to collaborate, and to accomplish on behalf of our people in the land of Israel, our entire nation together, with our third base Hamikdash, with the rebuilt Jerusalem speedily in our days. Amen. Amen. Amen.